I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design, recorded in the Living Kitchen Studio. Monica Hafelfinger is the president of X10 Architecture. She is Swiss-born, daughter of an architect, alum of USC and Columbia, and holds a Master of Science degree in Advanced Architectural Design. I absolutely loved my chat with Monica, and I hope you do as well. This journey you and I take each week together allows us to explore all avenues of design and architecture. I always learn something from these, and this is no exception. Monica and I talk about Switzerland and California, a compare and contrast, diversity in design, and some of her remarkable projects. This was fun, and I do hope you enjoy it. This is Monica Hafelfinger from X10 Architecture, recorded live in the Living Kitchen studio. This was another conversation recorded live from the Living Kitchen inside the Santa Monica Snyder Diamond showroom. It's fun hosting these conversations from the Living Kitchen. You hear me telling you about the beautiful Sub-Zero Wolf and Cove appliances. This is how I have become so familiar with them. Over a dozen vignettes featuring the full line of Sub-Zero refrigerators, wine storage units, Wolf ranges, ovens, grills, and drawers, and Cove dishwashers, of course. Here's why this works. You have state-of-the-art appliances from Sub-Zero providing preservation for your food and wine, Wolf appliances for proper preparation, and Cove dishwashers to clean it all up. This is stunning design, technology with purpose and precision in a suite of products that are capable of working into virtually any kitchen design you can conceive. This suite of appliances is, is being built on world-class technology, allowing the homeowner to use kitchen appliances in more ways than ever before, from food preparation and grocery management, wine storage needs, and so much more. If not familiar, go see for yourself. You can find the completely redesigned and ever-changing living kitchens in the Santa Monica and Pasadena Snyder Diamond showrooms. There are so many amazing offers, rebates, and details available for a very short time from Sub-Zero, Wolf, and Cove. You need to also go check those out. Conditions apply. So check them out at any of the three Southern California area Snyder Diamond locations. I, I always like starting at the beginning. And for you, it's really interesting because you're the, you're the daughter of an architect. Yes, I am. What was, it, what was it like growing up? When did you know that architect was for you? Because sometimes, you know, kids don't necessarily, kids will tend to shun anything and everything that their parents are interested in. Yes. So when did, when did you know that this was something that you wanted to do? So I, I knew from an early, early age that um, I wanted to do something creative. And um, my dad's an architect. Uh, his off, he has his own office, and so his office was right ne next door to, uh, to our house. And so we spent many, many hours in there. And uh, my dad also had an art gallery. So every, um, every other Friday, there was a big opening in his studio where he would exhibit art. And um, so these artists would come to our house and we would have these uh, vernissages with the artists and I just thought they were just the coolest people. And I wanted to be one of them. So my first thought was I was going to be an artist. And um, it was only later, later on that I really discovered architecture. Um, my dad would take us to, uh, we had a Sunday outing and it would either be to an art gallery, a museum, 
I grew up in Basel. There's a lot of beautiful museums there. Or we would go visit one of his favorite projects. And so that was that was how we spent our, our Sundays. And I remember one time he said, OK, we're going to see uh, Le Corbusier building in Rochamp. And we drove for an hour. And um, I must have been about 11. And I just didn't understand why we, why we would spend a whole hour in a car to see this building. But of course, later on, I was really thankful that he showed us. Later on as you grew up or later on that day when you saw it? When I saw it. Really? Yes. So you had an, appreci- you had an appreciation for architecture at, at, a, at a relatively young age? I think um, just a, being around design and artist and um, growing up in that house, that was just part of our DNA. And we just were drawn to it. My sister's an artist. My brother is an architect as well. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of part of our family. Did your father want you to do what he did? Not necessarily. No, I think it's a little bit, you know, he's of a, ge- a generation and I, I'm a child of the 60s, so in that, during that time, daughters were not really encouraged to be architects. Isn't that interesting? Yes. Did you, did you find that a barrier to entry? Um, a little bit, but, you know, I, I chose it nonetheless, um, and uh, I'm, I'm really glad that, that this has been my path. Interesting too, doing this at such a high level for a while now. Do you think that that same barrier to entry exists? Um, I think it's still there and there's still challenges, but um, slow progress is being made. And um, I think there was a time when I was first out of school um, where it was a little bit, you know, in school, when I was an undergraduate, um, there were about 25% women in our, in our class. Graduate school, it was about 50-50. And um, then coming out of school in a lot of the, f- or the firm that I worked at, it was very even. Um, but I did find that a little bit of an issue was going to construction sites, because there it's men building things. And that was a, a, a big hurdle for me. Is it because, as the perception was, as a woman, you couldn't possibly know what you were talking about? A little with, bit. With regard to building and architecture? Um, yes. And, you know, it just, just from the get-go, you're, you know, what's she doing here? So, where's the guy that's going to explain how this works? So, there was, a, there was some of that. And it was intimidating. So, it was something that I had to overcome. Was, was that difficult? Was that a challenge for you? You know, I think at the time I didn't really notice that that was what was going on, but later on I could, I could see where, why certain things sort of, why it took me longer, I would say. Did that motivate you? I mean, the question is why can't, you know, were you thinking why can't we just let the work speak, speak for itself or why does it matter? I, and I'm curious, in, this, is, this is practicing in the U.S., in your country, where you came from, was it the same way? I think it's similar. It is? Yeah. I think, actually, um, I think it's probably a little bit easier here. It was more challenging over there. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Switzerland is, was very... Um, things don't change quickly. And I think that's part of what drew me to L.A. and being in California. I just always saw it as the Wild West, and you just... As long as you did something meaningful and interesting, it 
would eventually be noticed. Do you think in Switzerland, because there is a certain lack of diversity, that the the status quo just remain the same? And, I and, think that's part of it. And here maybe there is so much more diversity, more people of different colors and genders knocking on the door. Yes, I think that's absolutely true. And I, I love here in California that it's always the sort of the underdog, sto underdog story or people love giving second chances. And in Switzerland, I, I didn't find that to be true. So when, when did you come to the U.S.? I came in the mid-80s. Okay, and, and were you already practicing at that point? Uh, no, I was... Um, I came here, and my mom is from Southern California, and I wanted to spend time with, with her. And um, I had a plan to come for one year and then go back to Switzerland, but then I, with the help of, of, of my mom and my stepdad, I enrolled at, at USC and started studying architecture, and I just... You know, five years passed, and um, I just loved it more and more. It's so funny, Southern California. I don't know if there's a if there's an official statistic for this, but it has to be the leader when it comes to people coming here to stay for one year and not leaving after that year is up. It just it just pulls you in. You know, you. I think after one year, you really start finding all the hidden treasures. And um, it really starts growing on you. And then you still don't notice, okay, I'm hooked. But then I, I went back after graduate school. I went back to Switzerland and I had um, the opportunity to work for Herzog Dommeron in Basel, which is my hometown. And even though, you know, the, the, the firm and the work was really amazing, I missed California. I missed being here. I missed the positive energy and just... So I came back. And it's interesting. I, I, I believe that the positive energy that you speak of is from the people like you who come here initially to spend a, a year and then just fall in love with it and decide that this is where you want to stay. One of the most special things in the world is how Southern California draws the, the power of creatives yes. from all over the world here to practice so when did you start your firm and what was the goal when you started X10 you know um, we started in the year 2000 and I think just growing up with a dad that had, has his own practice I just thought well how hard can it be I can do this you know and it was a little naive at the time you know but I was young and and um, I just always that's had had always been my goal and so, so we did. When you hang a shingle, then it's, it's not you working for someone else who's responsible for bringing the business in to the firm. It's, it's, your, it's your business. And you're going out and developing new business. That's, that's a big part of the job when you, when, you, when you run a practice like that. What was the idea? What was the unique sales proposition? What was the what was your new your unique angle to architecture that were, you were using to to draw in clients at the time, and how has that changed over the years? You know, in the in the beginning, it was a friend recommended us to do a project, and so that kind of was the beginning. And 
I think we we always saw this kind of special niche for us having this sort of bringing the Swiss rigor, like the very clean and thoughtful and methodical analysis, but then putting it what we call the the California sculptural moment, you know, because you can be free and you can do something different. And I think that's what got us noticed. Okay, so that may be what got you initially noticed. Yes. What's getting you noticed now is the work. And I wanted to talk to you about some of the work. Um, Specifically, uh, and starting with the Naka House. Naka House, yes. So, what an amazing project. Hollywood Hills. Um, what? A couple of things. What are the challenges when it comes to working on a project that is nestled in the in the hills like that? And how do you work with the surrounding, the views? How do you how do you work around those? How do you bring them in and still make and make make the most out of every single angle that you have? And and also. Um, building into the topography, building into the footprint, and and working with the footprint that you had on that project? So, the Naka House was actually a remodel. There was an existing 70s structure on on that site. And the challenge was because the site was very tight and very, you know, that there's a super steep hillside right there. You couldn't actually add that much into interior square footage. So the challenge really became how can we use what is there and just really um, expand on it and make it flow better? And um, what we added most to, the, to the, the thing we added most is that big deck that has these steps that connects the living room to the, uh, the kitchen. And it was kind of like in this one swoop, the whole, the whole house transformed. Um, the clients were wonderful. You know, they... Um, they uh, at that time uh, were a young couple. They didn't have any kids yet, but um, they they had incredible vision for design. And we would, you know, the budget was pretty tight, and we would always say, "Well, you could do this, you know, small, medium, or large in terms of investing into this." And they always said, "No, we're going to go back to work and make a little bit more money so we can do the the best op- the best version." And um, they just had a, an incredible, um, they just love design as well. So they were very open, you know. Obviously the 70s structure was not this black monolith on the hill. You know, we, that's totally different from what it was. But um, it, was, it was a fun project. You're listening to my conversation with architect Monica Hafelfinger from X10 Architecture. And as you can see, Monica loves architecture. She loves design, and it's her passion. And you know who else loves this too? It's Article. Article is an online-only furniture company inspired by mid-century style and Scandinavian simplicity. As a design trade professional, you are going to love the style and quality of Article furniture. Here's the best part. Article's created a trade program specifically for busy designers and architects like you. So check this out. Joining the trade program is absolutely free, and there is no minimum for you to start receiving trade discounts. None. What's more, they have exclusive designer pricing that cannot be found elsewhere for less. They offer a standard one-year warranty on all Article furniture, and the shipping 
you are going to love this because it's flat rate in most cases, if not free, and it's fast. Stock items ship in two weeks or less. They handle special invoicing, tax-exempt purchasing, and the customer service is staffed by design trade professionals. These are real people who know what you're trying to accomplish and have the authority to help you get what you need. For all the details and to sign up for Article's trade program, please go to cxd.article.com. CXD as in Convo by Design. cxd.article. Com. Thank you, Article. Okay, back to my conversation with architect Monica Hafelfinger. What challenges did you uncover? And I'm, I'm assuming, I'm just assuming, maybe there were none, but I'm assuming when you open up a 70s build, mm-hmm. 70s, gosh, that's tough. that was a tough time for architecture, or for, for building, rather, you know, especially here in Southern California, because the, the rules we have now are so stringent. Yes. But they weren't like that then. Do you remember some of the some of the challenges you had with that project? Well, it was very, you know, back in the 70s, people loved have, having sunken living rooms and there were a lot of steps in a house and this house was no different. There's actually, um, there's, I think, six levels in that house. And so we had to find a way that we can connect the space without you feeling like you're just climbing a mountain all the time. So we, we created that by sort of unifying the indoors and the, all of the inside is painted out white and the, the railings are all glass. So you kind of, you see, it's very open when you're in there and then you're standing there and has these big cutouts that we added to just kind of take in the views because you're right below the Hollywood sign and um, you can see Griffith Observatory on the other side. So it's it was all about views and... Um, just comfort did you frame any of the landmarks so so did you like with the observatory for example did you frame that into the views were you able to do that or were there we we were more so with the hollywood sign because it's that's closer to the to the structure um but that was that was it you know we knew we we wanted to get get that link because because where it where it sits in the landscape and it's amazing because when you have something like that that makes it that really does make it a, a one-of-a-kind project. Yes. Oh, that's so cool. So that's Naka House. The, and it's funny, I'm, I'm going to pronounce it again. La Mora, Moraleja Villa. Yes. So where, where is that home? It's just outside of Madrid, Spain. Okay. And it is, <clears throat> it is modern. It is clean. It's, it's clean and modern, but not not surgical clean it it still feels warm and i and i guess i don't mean to sound surprised by that but as big a fan as i am i I still am because sometimes and i i know you've seen this in an attempt to go that ultra modern clean lines it, it sometimes it looks cold this doesn't look and feel cold how did you how did you approach this project so this project um sits on this beautiful parcel, it's this kite-shaped lot, and it had 200-year-old oak trees that we could not disturb. So kind of the, there was an existing house there that we tore down, but we situated the new house almost in the same spot, just to not disturb the, the beautiful trees. And um, I think a lot of the warmth of the house comes from bringing in, those, bringing in the landscape, and then combining that and wrapping the building with with local stone. So you just get this feeling like, okay, the spaces are 
sharp and clean cut, but you feel the warmth of the earth. And it's the, the, the floor plan, the main move, it's kind of like this cross shape. And wherever you stand in, in the house, you, you always have the connection to the, the far end of the property. So it kind of maximizes the, the owner's uh, perspective of, of their beautiful lot. Do you think that the, that the, modern, the modern feel has be, is, is a trademark? for you and, and being able to take that modern feel and make it warm and livable. And it's interesting too because the this property in Madrid has a very similar climate to what we yes, have does. to what we have here. So so you could probably approach it in very much the same way you would approach a project here, yes? Yes, that that was e an easy translation. You know, in Madrid gets hot just like Southern California and so we have a lot of overhangs that create shade and we um, were able able to open up the spaces so you can get air moving through the space um, and using all these passive old old school techniques just to cool a house. Um, it was it was kind of amazing how similar the the proposition was to build in Madrid as here. So that was great. What restrictions do you have to deal with in Spain? Is it easier to build there or is it more challenging to build there than it is to build in Southern California, which is a challenge to begin with? Well, we were fortunate enough to work with um, two local architecture firms that we just met in this wild story. One of the guys was teaching a studio in San Diego and he came to X10 for an office tour. And just by chance, um, I think a month before, we had signed this job in Madrid and we go, hey, you know, um, look at look at this this project. Would you be interested in in partnering up? One thing led to another, and we um, we worked with with him and and uh, his co his colleague over there. And now we are working on a new project in Mallorca with the same team. Oh, so we wow. it's just about establishing new connections um, and finding the right the right people. I have what is potentially silly question, but I, I'm curious. Mallorca is not necessarily an easily accessible location. R when it comes to building materials and when it comes to, to practicing on an island like Mallorca, mm -hmm. are, are there, are there, is it as challenging as it, as it seems to me that it might be? They have more because the, uh, they have such an old culture there's more historical um, elements that that factor in but um, and we're also only at schematic design right now but I'm sure it's there's going to be things that we don't know about that will will work out with the with our architect friends in Spain it, what a remarkable location though yes oh that's fantastic the um, the mirror house so I was looking at this project and I'm wondering as I'm looking at this the the views are nothing short of spectacular. As an architect, do you find do you find yourself fighting with views like that? How do you how do you take how do you take full advantage of the views and and how do you make the house it seems to me that like views like that are something that you have to incorporate into the architect or into the architecture itself. Yes. How do, how do you how do you balance that? You know, I think um 
the view homes in, in the Hollywood Hills, I mean, they are so much fun to design. And really what we, what we are aiming for is just to create the perfect spot for you to stand and take in the city below. Because as anybody knows that has arrived in LA in an airplane, seeing those sparkling lights beneath you, I mean, what's better than that? So we are basically, all we're, all we're doing is creating frames so you see, the, you see the sparkling lights. Um, we've been we've been fortunate to do a few homes that have amazing views, and it's that's all there is. It's just creating a, a beautiful roof, some nice walls, and just framing it. So it really is when you do when you do have views like that, you you go you go as simple as possible. Yes, because the views are spectacular. So you know? let them be the star. Let them let them let them shine. And the last one I want to ask you about is the Varna Library. It's, I have made no secret, I'm a huge fan of libraries. I think libraries serve a community as much as, as, much as hospitals and schools do. Yes. I, I think they're remarkable, they're remarkable places that are more than just a collection of books. Many would view a library as just a building to house a collection of books. How did, this, is a, this is a beautiful design. How did you approach it? So there, I think it's um, just going back to the Swiss California uh, composition. I think what we were doing was just creating these very simple storage uh, systems, which became these volumes within this free form. And the free form space was basically the living room for the city. So you can go into the library and you just have a wonderful experience snuggling up with a book and just sitting there and spending time. And then on the other hand, the books are just in this very simple, you know, because a book is a rectangle, but the human body has curves. And so basically that, that's what we were working with. We were talking a little bit about this beforehand, and I, I want to get your opinion on this. In an age of Marie Kondo, where, you know, things are being pared back, a, a very Asian approach to looking at collecting things and, and clutter and having too much. But still, American culture was built on consumerism. So, as an architect, someone who looks at certainly what, what has been, what is now, but in your design, you're not building something that's only going to last until the next fad or the next phase comes along. You're building for something for the next 50, 100 years. What are your thoughts on something like that when, when I guess, when it comes to collecting and clutter and storage? Because those are, those are all so important at the same time. You have collectibles and collections and things that people want to display and they want to be seen. What, what's your approach to that what's your view how do you how do you approach that I think um, I think it's beautiful when people have keepsakes or art or just meaningful things around around them living with them but it's about editing you know and just really creating just having I guess it's a little bit like the frame that we were just talking about just find finding the most beautiful keeping only the most beautiful things out and then you can always update or change because it's a very organic thing to live in a in a house or an apartment. You want to be you want to be built in change. You want to be able to grow, um, and then every now and, now and again you edit 
and you only keep what you love and then you can go find something new on your journey and bring it home. Speaking of that, what are, what are you working on now that you're excited about? So we're, we're designing a few, um, a few new, new homes here in the city. Um, one other thing that I'm very excited about is we, we just recently bought a lot and so we're building our new offices and that's kind of my, my um, pet project at the moment because you know I see I see this new uh, this new office trying to integrate some things that we were speaking about for Varna because we spend so much time at work so we want to create an environment that is soothing that is stimulating people want to come you know want to come spend time and um, so that's one of them uh, we are finishing uh, Two homes, um, that's actually where I'm heading right after this. Uh, one home in, uh, in the Palisades that's almost done. So I'm very excited to go see that this afternoon. Back to your own projects. What kind of client are you? What kind of client am I? You know, because I, I think it's really interesting. I love when I talk to creatives who are working on their own projects. Yes. Because it means that you know, you're working with a lot of the trades. Yes. Um, that you work with on other projects. But this time, the, you're not the barrier between the trade and the client. You are the client. So yes. I'm curious, what kind of client are you? Are you super demanding or are you the kind of client where it's like, I, I'm, I'm going to trust you, I'm going to let you, here's the plan, work the plan. I think um, architecture, you know, it's kind of, it's a huge collaboration. First with the clients, with the city, with the contractors, with the trades. Um, so it's very, I, I think we are a very open office where, where we see ourselves as the glue. And um, I think our office is no different from all the other projects. Um, I, think, I think I'm an amazing client. <laughs> but um, I think uh, it's just fun. It's fun to do. What would, what would you like what would you like to do next? Is there a project that you have always been dreaming about doing? Is there something that you would just love to do? Is there a direction that you would like to, to take X10 in in the future? Where do you see the firm in the future? I think, you know, we were talking about libraries. That would be an amazing thing to do. Um, also, we've, we've been fortunate to um, design spaces for art. I would like to do more of that. Um, and just getting more more projects that are are for the city, you know, just like for example a gymnasium. Uh, we're talking to somebody about maybe doing a baseball baseball field. That would be a, a great new challenge. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know, M many choices, many things we, we need to work on. In, in a city like, like Los Angeles, um, I kind of feel like we're reaching an interesting point in time when it comes to design and architecture. When I grew up in LA in the 70s and 80s, there was plenty of land. You could develop any direction that you wanted to develop, and, which is why you know projects would come and someone would say, ah, no, that's not good. Let's just let's wipe that out and we'll start again. There is there is plenty of infill left, but there isn't really much wide open space from which to develop develop a, a new a new city or a new style or a, or new projects it seems so i'm curious where 
with a city like this, aside from the infill projects, how do you how do you structure the growth? How do you direct the growth of the way a city looks like mm-hmm. LA? And and as an architect, I, I I view you as you know I view architects as as futurists. Yes, you're the one who di- who dictates what what the city is going to look like, how we're going to live in in you know fifty hundred years from now. So what are, what are your thoughts on Southern California and LA in particular? You know, I think there's a, a lot of potential just to um, improve certain neighborhoods, and sometimes it doesn't need much to change change a whole city block. But you kind of just you just find uh, an area and and you try to you try to enhance it. Um, most most neighborhoods in Southern California they have their own identity, so you want to build on that. Instead of making everything homogenous, you kind of want to be more specific and have growth that is helpful for this individual community. So I think that's that that would be my approach. And I don't think you need to go beyond the city limits. You can work within and just you know grow from within and and find find specialness. It's kind of like when when I was telling you I came to LA and I just discovered different neighborhoods. Um, that's the unique part. Every every neighborhood is so different, and it should stay that way. You know, they, we just need to f- build upon what's already here, but make it even better. Agreed. I love your work, and I can't wait to see some of your new projects. Thank you so much. That is a wrap on this conversation with architect Monica Hafelfinger. Thank you, Monica, for the time. Thank you, Snyder Diamond, Sub Zero, Wolf, Cove, and Von Dom for your continued support, and thank you. If not for you listening, downloading the show, coming out to our events, following on social media, there would be absolutely no point in doing this podcast. I appreciate you. And uh, until next week, keep creating. Convo by Design is proud to be working with Vendome Furniture. Design culture, it's the key to their success. It's what pushes them to consistently create new collections that give spaces a new dimension. They create dialogue between environment and form. Vendome pieces can transform the simplest space into one filled with glamour that is both unique and extraordinary. And isn't that what design is all about? Creating atmospheres where you can take hold of life and enjoy it to the fullest? Vendome products are simple and elegant contemporary and exceptionally comfortable. Their crafted, modern, durable, molded resin, glass, and metal designs are unique and they beg to be enjoyed. They search the planet for the right designers that embody the Vendome spirit and work together to create remarkable pieces into an exclusively Vendome mode of expression. And if you haven't seen Vendome before, you can check them out in uh, some of the Convo by Design videos you'll find on our YouTube channel. But you can find them in their showrooms at the D&D Building in New York, Wynwood in Miami, and the Pacific Design Center here in L.A. Or online at vondom.com.